Welcome to the Jaguar King Podcast. I'm your host, Armin. I talk everything Jaguars football, usually in tears. So if you like anything Jaguars or anything NFL related, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. It really helps my channel grow. And without further ado, in this week's episode, we lost the battle, but we won the war. Before I get into the video, I want to thank all those people who subscribed to my channel and watched a preview of the Browns and Jaguars game. It reached 8,000 views. When I started this channel, I never thought 8,000 people would tune into my horse shit, but here we are. How do you like me now, dad? But really, thank you all for the support. So let's get into this game. A game that was a lot better than I think all of us thought would be. A game that has six lead changes. Five more than I initially thought. In my preview, I mentioned that Mike Glennon gave no shits this week and was ready to rip it and gun it all over the field. I didn't think much of it. I thought for sure he was going to come out aggressive and flink some to the other team. But he flung some to the right team. And he actually played pretty well. He did miss a lot of passes and some open receivers, but he finished the game with 235 yards and two touchdowns. He even threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Colin Johnson right after Baker Mayfield shit his pants in the red zone. Speaking of Colin Johnson, he had himself a really good day making his first NFL start, catching four passes, 96 yards, and a touchdown. So whatever targets Chris Connolly has in the future game plan, let's just shift those over to Colin Johnson. Because let's be real, Chris Connolly would probably drop it anyway. I feel like I say this every week, but James Robinson had himself another good day, 159 yards of all-purpose yards, and he tacked on a touchdown to help the Jaguars on offense. I said in previous weeks that he should be in conversation for Offense's Rookie of the Year. Well, now he's officially got my vote. He's no longer just in my conversation. All in all, I thought the offense played a pretty decent game. They gave the Jaguars a chance to win. Mike Glennon really stuck his neck out there, but it just wasn't enough. So how did this Jaguars defense fare against the Browns' office? Not so well, my friends. The Jaguars were without defensive coordinator Todd Wash this game, and it literally had no difference in the game. Not a good look for a coach. Considering the Jaguars were playing with dishwashers and janitors, they played pretty well. I'm as big as a Jags fan as there is, but I didn't even know half the guys out there. It seemed like whenever someone made a play, the announcer would be like, this player was just signed off the practice squad. This player is making his first career NFL start. This player just slept with my wife. They showed some heart and toughness, but ultimately, those players just couldn't get it done, and they could not slow down the Browns' offense. The Browns excelled in their rushing game, as we all thought, and Baker Mayfield as well had himself a solid day to back up that running game. Using that run to set up some play action and easy throws for him. Baker Mayfield was pretty inconsistent though. It seemed like those routine throws that every quarterback should make, he sailed it and went over the receiver's head, but then he threw an absolute dime that most quarterbacks in the NFL can't make. The Jaguars were able to get some pressure on him, get him out of the pocket, but ultimately, he seemed under control that whole game. And they apparently forgot Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver in the NFL. I don't know what our defense will look like next year, but I really hope the Jaguars get a restraining order on Andrew Wingard. The dude just needs to go. I'm sick of that guy. He's always out of position and just does the dumbest things. There was one play that absolutely just drove me nuts. Baker Mayfield has Kareem Hunt on a wheel route, one-on-one with the Jags defender, and he throws it to him for a potential touchdown. The ball was overthrown, Andrew Wingard comes in late, hits Kareem Hunt late, which probably should have been a penalty. And at the end of the play, he's literally screaming at the top as long as like he accomplished anything. He had nothing to do why that play didn't work. The ball was overthrown, and if you played the ball instead of trying to kill Kareem Hunt, then you probably could have got a pick, and the Jaguars would have had the ball instead of Browns getting a field goal out of it. I get it, Jaguars have literally no safeties and we're down to our last guys on defense, but I'd rather have our long snappers back there. The Jags made some play on the defense, even won the turnover battle. They left some plays on the field, and they just got beat. Whenever the Browns needed to make a play, they just did. Before I get into our second win of the season, I want to talk about coaching. I have finally figured out Doug Marone's decision making. He's tanking, 
but doesn't want it to look like he's tanking. He has been randomly aggressive all season, seemingly all at the wrong times, and I think that's what it is. He gives the illusion that he wants to win games and be aggressive, but in reality, he knows the Jags will fuck it up and ultimately will bite him in the ass and they'll lose the game. That's why he went for that two-point conversion in the third quarter. There's really no reason to go for a two-point conversion there. You just stole possession. You just took the lead. So what he did was he went for two. By going for two, it looks like you're being aggressive and trying to win the game. Ultimately, when you fail, no one could say you're tanking because you were trying to win the game. It's foolproof. But really, why go for a two-point conversion there? I get it. Your defense sucks. And if you're up by four, the Browns have to score a touchdown. But you're at the one-yard line due to a penalty and you choose to throw a fade route to Keelan Cole? Mike Glennon's neck is already past the goal line. Why not just snap it and let him sneak it one yard away? Or hand it off to James Robinson one yard away? Why throw a fade to our shortest receiver on the field? If you wanted to throw a fade, why not throw it to Colin Johnson? The dude's like seven feet tall. After the game, Doug Marone said that's his philosophy. Whenever there's a penalty and we move it to the one, he wants to go for two. That's cool and all, but your quarterback is Mike Glennon. And your defense is awful, and you know that the Browns are going to go down there and score a touchdown anyway, so really, what's the difference? And I get it. At the end of the day, we're a 1-10 team. It doesn't really matter. But imagine if we're in a playoff hunt and he pulls that shit and we lose the game. I'm pretty sure the city of Jackson will egg his house. I just quickly want to touch on the refs. I knew it was going to be a bad day when they called the pass interference on Gerard Wilson for being in the area of the football. Then the Browns got fleeced hard when Kareem Hunt wasn't down by contact and tried to lunge for the first down, but they called it back where he initially broke the tackle. Browns head coach was forced to use a challenge on that play. They respot the ball and then they remeasure it and he still didn't get the first down. They called it fourth and inches. And the ref charged him a timeout even though he technically won the challenge because the challenge was the spot of the ball, not if he got a first down or not. Then on fourth and inches, they go for it. Nick Chubb doesn't get it, but it's really close and he can't use a challenge because he had to use a challenge on that play before with Kareem Hunt. And all the referee does is awkwardly give the Browns their timeout back. By the way, Browns head coach looks like a middle school history teacher. That's pretty cool. After the game, the Jaguars finally snapped their 10-game losing streak. Securing the second win all season, the Jacksonville Jaguars fired general manager Dave Caldwell. Shotgun stuck to his word. He told Dave Caldwell in the beginning of the season, if he does not make the playoffs, then he's going to be fired. And ultimately, that's what happened. After the game, the Jaguars were eliminated from playoff contention, as if no one knew that was coming. And Shotgun showed Dave Caldwell the door. I previously made a video on Dave Caldwell and my thoughts of him as a Jaguars general manager. I'll link that video up here. If it's not there, I apologize because I'm not the most tech-savvy guy. If it is there, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. Fans were really frustrated with ShotCon for not doing this earlier because everyone thought this should have happened last year, if not halfway through the season when this was a total shit show. But ShotCon was a savvy man. He kept Dave Caldwell in there, knowing he would screw up this season. He placed many bets on the Jacksonville Jaguars to lose, won those bets, and then finally, he fired Dave Caldwell. And I can't blame him. Somebody's got to pay for that massive yacht he has. Dave Caldwell's tenure with the Jaguars was not a good one. He had one season where he did not have double-digit losses. Doug Marone will be the head coach until the end of the season, which I'm fine with because ultimately the season's over, and I think that he's going to be fired anyway at the end of the season. But it's good to know that change is coming to Jacksonville, and we get to start our GM search early. Thank you all for watching. Let me know down below what you thought of that Browns game. Was it as close as you thought it was going to be? And then let me know down below what you thought of the firing of Dave Caldwell. Do you think it should have happened sooner? Do you think it shouldn't have happened at all? Or do you like the timing of it? Thank you for all those of you who have subscribed. It really means a lot to me. Don't forget to hit the like button, and I'll see you next week for the Vikings. Mm -hmm.